Thanks again for tuning to Revolutionary Lumpen Radio. You're joined by your co-host Shibby and the Zen Marxist, in which we interview the Engelsist of YouTube, in which we hear about his background, his political affiliations, organisations, all of that, as we get to know everybody from the UK. This is going to be an unedited version of the YouTube stream. It was a really great interview where we got to know the comrade, as well as discussed communist organizations the movements theory and practice in general we also discussed base building which you know is a subject that i all love to talk about and plan in in the future we also just started up on podbeam so give us a like and a follow on that hit automatic downloads as well so you haven't even got to wait for wi-fi you can just listen to it wherever Without further ado. The system of capitalism is driving this climate catastrophe. The UK is complicit in Israel's violations of Palestinian human rights for investment and support in global arms trade. It's not just a moral stand, it's a political stand. The role that Israel plays securing the interests of US and British imperialism in the Middle East. Some people often kind of talk about Iraq or Afghanistan. Today, where I am, and I like understand these conflicts that have literally been going on since I was born. It's just like horrifying. We had some placards, one of them which said the pretty factual point that Zionism is racism. I personally refused to learn my parents' language. My brother did it. I'm a bit older than him, so I've gone through 9-11. That was the first time I realized that I looked different. Today, much of what passes for leftism is actually quite right-wing, quite destructive. The dictatorship of the proletariat is how the social order in a given country can be steered in a socialist direction. This idea of dialectics is that everything is a web of life, deeply interconnected. The conversation to me is, how do we make all labor less exploitative for women? My writing was first and foremost for disabled people, for outcasts, and for folks on social assistance. The homeowners association mm-hmm. set up because they wanted to exclude certain ethnicities yep. from the suburbs. Welcome to Revolutionary Lumpen Radio. We're kicking it off on season three. You're the first comrade to come on so this makes it episode one what we're planning on doing with this series is going around visiting all of our comrades content creators you know educators agitators would like to speak to some organizations in the uk because you know this platform and with us so much of um you know communist thought discourse comes out of the united states and i'd really like to broadcast you know what some of the great work the people are doing in the uk i think like there's so much that people can learn from the organizations on the ground in the uk you're a part of one of those organizations i'd like to hear a little bit about that but first and foremost just who are we speaking to uh, what can you tell us about yourself and how you got into politics i go by the Engelsist on youtube i try not to give out my name even though uh, if you pay close attention, you can find out my first name at least. Um, I'm from around Manchester, not going to say which part. And um, I generally got very political um, at a reasonably young age because of the, the professions of my my parents, uh, both being in the NHS, which, uh, which generally makes you political, I'd say. At least it, it pushes you to the left. It, my political journey goes from TYT Sock Dem Lib to um, around 
Oswald Mosley. <laughs> no. But um, Weird Racist Sockdam, which I assume is, like, actually most of the middle-aged population in this country. And then I went further back to the left, uh, further from when I was on the uh, the Sockdam left than that I was before I uh, went a bit right to uh, the reactionary side. Um, and in that, sorry, I started... can, can I interrupt you? Because that's totally on my mind, and I'm just not willing to just let that slide. I've got to investigate further. Did you say weird, racist, sock them left? No, I didn't say weird, racist, sock them left. I said weird, racist, sock them. No, I, do, I wouldn't. Even... So, I... you when you were racist at one point, is that what you were saying? Like, yeah, kind of. I was. That, that's it. Can we go into why? Because we've done a couple of episodes of Zola on Diaspora Britain, and we talked about racism in Britain. It's so prominent. It literally is a part of culture you brought up to be racist. So if anybody's out there like, whoa, should be speaking to a former racist, or he used to be somewhat racist, um, that's just, re- like, literally, that's what it's like in the imperial court. Imperialism cannot function without racism. And, you know, you taught this shit from an early age. It's so evidentiary that the fact that you're, you know, self-conscious and aware of it, that's a super interesting start. We've never had that from anybody. Solidarity for actually seeing sense. What broke it out of this, this racism? I mean, all right, so you remember the MEN attacks, right? Mm, the Manchester bombings, yeah. Um, yeah. That was all over the news, right? And that's really the thing, that and a few um, content creators that you might be aware of uh, started me down this uh, kind of spiral reaction. I was watching Who? TJ... Like, TJ Kirk, Amazing Atheist, right? Don't know. I was watching... Uh, okay. I, I watch- yeah, I know who he is. I was watching some of his videos, and he's not like as bad. He's now kind of a Ber- like a Bernie fan, but um, back then he platformed some people who were more reactionary than himself. And then there were people like No Bullshit, who it turns out has direct ties to white nationalists who I'd watch quite frequently. And um, it turns out when you've got media saying Muslims are coming to bomb your nation and kill all of kill children blah 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 and then you've got these uh right-wing pundits on youtube um spewing propaganda about the sjw's and all of that it tends to stick in your head but like i mean what got me out of it was partially my family partially like members of my family partially just a lived experience but i do remember a distinct moment which was when Phil Brooks, I don't care about doxing him, but that was no bullshit, said that there was no art that ever was worth anything that comes out of Africa. <laughs> Which immediately disassociated me because it was like, what the... The Great Pyramids of Giza for a start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, they are fucking museums. What the fuck? Yeah. And then I watched a uh, documentary from a Creationist Cat, which is a a satirical bread tube type channel uh, which went over all of his right wing connections and that he had a direct talk to a person who was arguing for a white ethnostate and was cordial with him uh, and it's it's crazy like how you know you can think you're not racist and you're you're just fighting against the this social justice weird stuff 
Um, well, well, so this person is only one degree separated from somebody who would like is basically just a Nazi, like. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's essentially just the power of propaganda, right? Like, propaganda is most effective when you don't even realize that you're being propagandized, right? And propaganda is a weird thing as well, because most people think that they're immune to propaganda. Or when they talk about propaganda, they talk about like, oh, yeah, that's that thing that happens to other people, but not me. Ryan, join Zencaster, please. I've sent you I'm not doing that. I'm not clicking anything with any links or anything, because if I fuck the audio up again, I'm going to lose my shit, so I'm just you not know, clicking anything. Zizek had a good take on this, actually. Is that, like, you don't actually dig through propaganda by taking the glasses off. The glasses aren't the propaganda. You have right. to, like, learn things, like, and put glasses on to actually see through the propaganda. It, because propaganda is just built into our society and is normal. Like, I do propaganda. I make sure, propaganda. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like everything is like everything is like opinionated mm -hmm. media, which tries to propagandize for one side or the other. It's just, you know, we try and back things up with facts where we can. Right. Whereas some people don't give a single fuck, and we'll talk about how there's these. Muslims try to destroy Christmas and the family and try to, like, ru ruin... Like, I've not met many more traditional families than Muslim households, to be honest. Oh, my God. I've had some of the, the most, ex like, some of the greatest experience of my life of what a family unit means in, in, in a Muslim household. I don't know. There'll probably be a couple of former free runners, but we, every now and again, well, every year there was... Um, you've done this three run family jam would all go wow look how bright i am would all go to london and like hundreds of free runners would go down and um there's a comrade called nighthawk who was a part of a muslim family we all went to his house what he did is is he put us up and um, there was literally about 25 of us in this london house um he had no couches it was a completely different experience um what he had which i really loved to this day was I'm gonna have to close down blinds. God damn! It was like he had the softest and best, thickest carpet I've ever like sat on in my life. Instead, of, instead of like a couch, he, he literally sat on the carpet. But the carpet was amazing. What it was, he sat down with us. Now it, it's it was a rule. I'm gonna digress a little, but this is just a little. A different cultural distinction that I want to mention was that like if you're a new guest to the household then the the family have to feed you um like lunch and tea for like the first two days like that's just a requirement in the religion and because there was 25 of us what, what it was was the mother was there the sister was there and they really cooked us some of the most i mean they brought out sauces like yay big like literally arm's length big and we all come out we ate it was incredible i've never um been in in a household and felt so um, welcome and, and so like just overwhelmed by the like the the, the humanity in us like we, we were all like one and, and they knew that we were hungry we need to be fed it was in it was yeah it was just an, an amazing experience that i had and you know i like my my great nan is like black from the caribbean like my granddad, like had an afro and that for his um, on his wedding day. He was white skinned though, 
Um, so like I've personally never been racist, just out of like um, fam family ties and whatnot. But yeah, there was so that that's a fucking crazy, crazy, interesting um, background there. And to talk about what radicalised you in to getting into politics, it, and you mentioned the family in the NHS. Is that <laughs> how that happened? Was that something like? the family would be increasingly aware of, like, spending cutbacks, so they'd think, oh, this is Tory's fault, we should be more Labour, and then that trickles down to you saying we family are struggling more in work because of cutbacks, because of austerity. Yeah. yeah. OK. Yeah, and... I was very anti-austerity. Even when I was in my period of reaction, I, mm. was, all, I was always critical of, like, economic liberalism because, like, hey... I, I've just never been a fan of like I, I've seen the consequences of it. Mm. So like even even if like you have weird social views, it you know you still don't want you still want to get money even if you're like weird, even bad on certain things. Well, I mean you have to. It's a it's a fact of life in capitalism. You've got to participate in the economic system, otherwise you're just gonna fucking starve. Um, that was okay. So. Um, Ryan, can you can you ask me something? I've got to close this um blind before before I go on to the next yeah, sure. question. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'd like... sorry, I was just no, no, no worries. Another thing that helped was um I, I I didn't do well in high school. Not that I was like bad at learning. It's just people people are difficult. Sure. And, and the thing is, I was put into this like special reform school, and we started going to a Muay Thai gym. And I've done martial arts since I was very young, like a young kid. And getting into Muay Thai, um, like uh, after having previous experiences, half of the people there were Muslim. So like, I kind of learned, you know, oh wow, they're just normal people, you know, and they're just fucking normal people, and I don't need to be weird about it, like. And I do just think being around people generally makes you a bit of a better person. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that ultimately that's like, I think propaganda ultimately requires that in order to function properly. Because if, you, if you're going to like have a system that propagandizes a population to believe certain things about certain groups of people, it's kind of a necessity that they don't know those people. Otherwise, they'll just turn at the propaganda and be like, well, that's clearly bullshit. So it's the same thing about like anything, really. And that is like, I like the like, that's like the proper definition of propaganda. Like it's value neutral, if that makes sense. Like anyone who's trying to propagate an idea is like definitionally propaganda. But people have like a negative connotation with it. They think that like, oh, no, only stuff like Fox News is propaganda. And the stuff I watch, that's not propaganda, right? I think the best way of thinking about it is that it's value neutral. So like anyone who's trying to propagate an idea is, is essentially propaganda. And it's not a bad thing. Mm. Pro boss. For, thank you so much for your open honesty there and, and like this is literally I'm hoping people listen to this hear your background hear your history when it comes to obviously your perception of the world stemming from a, a racist background but like how, how how did you get into politics then what brought you to the left um, and, and what kind of tendency have you got now and why I've been partially just like increasing austerity that's part of it being in a better place like societally and like just being around people but i'd say like i got started going through like watching more leftist like content as well as just talking to my brother who's a who's a communist as well 
And uh, I started watching, you know, yeah, any of you heard of Bad Mouse Productions? Sure. His, uh, his videos, especially on East Germany, like, blew my mind. Like, because it was like, what the fuck? This, mm. like, it, wow, this myth about, like, these countries that I never knew is like, wow. Like, and I started watching them in Zimbabwe. <laughs> and um, Finnish Bolshevik and Jason Unruh, if you know them. Yeah. Like, I started watching them, and then I actually started meeting them. Like, I met them, and I now talk with them pretty frequently. We on the boat, we're, we're, I've spoke to Finnish Bolshevik quite a bit. I didn't know he was in the UK. How have you met him? <laughs> the internet. Oh, fucking hell. I was like... Uh, no, no, I didn't take a boat to Finland. I met, like, I've talked to them frequently. Yeah. Nah. But I've... I've been an ML for about. I've been like a socialist for about two years. I've been an ML for about a year, maybe. But I'm now drifting towards. <laughs> I'm very interested in it. I've drifting towards I've what? Sorry, Ryan. Oh, sniffed a little Maoism. Mainly because I've come to some conclusions which people say are just like stuff from Mao organically. Boss, so like Mao's, Mao's also. So like, I'm planning on reading the five essays and then some, reading some of the stuff from the Panthers. Boss, sure, that makes sense. Like the addition of, uh, there are three things, right? There are three main things that Maoism added to the theory of MO, and that's uh, the mass line, new democracy, and the Cultural Revolution, right? So those yeah. are three, like the three. I want to highlight as, as well for everybody that's extremely important, particularly when it comes to like liberals, conservatives, however you want to identify people who, who stem in with this liberalist, like libertarian ideology, is the fact that, you know, you, I, I hate to bring the fact of racist, you're not a racist, obviously, but a lot of people have got these nationalist ideas where what, what it is, people, humanity just wants food clothing they want a house over their heads they want like they don't want to starve they they want the family to be well but what it is you've got you've got your uk government telling you we could not everybody can can have all of these things and we need to spend billions or trillions on the military and the reason why we can't have all of these things is because there is terrorists who could who's going to blow it all up and and all of that shit so we have to go overseas and we have to fight them um so that's why we can't spend, like, give all the people all these trillions of, of fucking pounds of wealth, um, which obviously would end austerity and the excuses to fall austerity is things like military spending. That's a big, massive part of it. But obviously there's no threats. Like, who's going to invade the UK? Like, deadly serious from the Middle East particularly, you know what I'm saying? It's like, is Iran going to land on the shores of the United States? Um, is Iran going to land on the shores of California and then the UK is going to have to back up the US? No, not not at all. North Korea aren't going to um, take over New York City, for example. You know, all of this is just a load of bullshit. You know what I'm saying? But it just, you just reminded me of the uh, Red Dawn remake where they decided to replace the Soviet Union and Cuba with North Korea, which would mean that the idea that... The, DPRK could ever take over America, and I'm a person who's a, a generally sympathetic and even uh, is associated with people who are very pro DPRK. Yeah, I myself have some uh, good feelings towards it, but like 
it is not nearly the powerhouse that the Soviet Union was. No. And it the, like the idea that it could ever genuinely be a threat, like it has one it has two nukes. <laughs> two. That, I mean, that's it. We are the threat. The imperialists, they're the threat to life on Earth, to other civilizations, to you know, or humanity to the to potentially the only for to the, potentially the only source of sentient life in the entire universe. We're a threat to that. So let's move move on with your extremely fascinating introduction. Like, are you inter- are you a part of any organizations that you like to to speak about? If so, who is that? What, what did you get up to? Mm. I mean, uh, we've talked about this in uh, private, but um, I am a part of the RCG uh, FR5 um, for racism, fighting imperialism. And um, I can tell you the story of how I got involved with them. Please um, do, yeah. I was going to my mate with a BLM, to a BLM protest. Mm. And I showed up and I'd heard a good word from my other mate who I'd met on Discord. He was from Birmingham. Um, but... And I'd just seen him there, and I was like, "Oh, this is the party they were talking about." And I talked with a. I'm not. I'm not going to drop any names. Don't want to be too specific. I don't like to fed post, but um, I talked with the Manchester organizer, and uh, we just got talking, and then we started doing uh, more and more activism. Um, I I tend to try and um, push certain things as much as I can um, with it. Like, they try and show up every weekend, at least. Um, they show up to BLM marches. They show up. Like, I got them to show up to one of the rent strikes that was happening, the uh, 9K for Watt strikes. So there was, uh, it was crazy that there was nine <clears throat> police fans that showed up to that event. Mm. Nine police fans. And there was, like, multiple arrest attempts in a, on an unarmed crowd. Um, every time somebody would pop a flare, like and just hold it up, they'd go in to try and arrest them. Like, I'm not... and like it's a flare, you know. Literally, it's like it's like if I held up a lighter, like up in the air, <laughs> and or even a modified lighter, like the one that like can produce the big flames. Huge flames, like, yeah. Yeah, like. Uh, there was. Uh, I had to be involved in certain activities that I'm not going to say on uh, the podcast. However, um, it, it that was an insane day. Sounds sounds flipping awesome. Um, yeah, we do need more people saying fuck the police and doing these things that you say it's just a flare, but to them it's it's a symbol of rebellion of disgust at the system and these authoritarians the the pigs the pig class um you know these are people with tiny egos and they don't want to see the people get together or the, you know fuck the police but can i just speak about the rcg that's a revolutionary communist group that's for frfi fight racism fight imperialism that's a newspaper which they do on current events and what they do is they They'll write articles about socialist movements, political, and um, f- like politics all around the world from a communist perspective, revolutionary communist perspective. They'll support and uh, they do uh, what is it called? Rock around the blockade. So they have solidarity campaigns for Cuba, as well as um, 
you, you know, and, and every year they'll try and go out to Cuba and take things over there for, for the people um, that they've raised from the donations of people on the streets. Uh, they do all kinds of work. We've, we've spoken to Zionism, um, is racism and Nottingham. Um, branch put that together. Um, of course, Daniel Green did get arrested for saying that the actual fact of Zionism is racism. Uh, you know, Palestine solidarity campaigns, Papa New, New Guinea campaigns, the RCG are absolutely there for everybody. They they are the least sectarian, revolutionary, communist, socialist group in the entire United Kingdom. They're not absolutely perfect. I do think that like they do need radicals like myself on the on the board, um, because I I think like really, especially nowadays, we need to antagonise more. Um, but I'm always there for, for the comrades whenever they do want to step it up under the notch and then get get an, a more radical a, approach on, on the board. Class consciousness is only so good if, if people are organised. I have no power. They have a lot of power because it's a, it's a national organisation that's supported internationally as well. Again, I'm here now, totally support the RCG, all power to them. They're the closest thing to a vanguard in this country right now. What, what I also want to say to everybody else in the UK who's listening to this, if you are a part of any other revolutionary, communist or socialist organisation and the RCG attends one of your events, anything like that, show them solidarity, be a goddamn comrade to them because, you know, it's bizarre how, how much sectarianism there is in, you know, organisations throughout Liverpool, throughout the UK, where the RCG are not respected or they're expelled just from, from meetings. And the reason is because they do support, um, they do they do support Palestinians, they, they are anti-Zionist and they're very vocal about that. And you see all of these other so-called socialist organisations who are so sectarian about the progressiveness of the RCG. And I think it's important that, again, like I said, if you're actually there and you see the RCG being a victim of sectarianism, you have to support them and say, no, let them fucking sit down. Let them have a say that they're progressive. And, and this is a massive program. This is a massive problem with organisations in the UK um, that, you know, I've experienced. I know for a fact I've, I've mingled with them for, for over 10 years. Um, so, you know, that that's really what I wanted to get out of that. I'm going to link to the RCG and Fight Race and Fight Imperialism newspaper in the show notes. They do a digital copy of the newspaper, which you can get for a pound um, every single month. And you can also buy the, the physical copy. Where's mine? Oh, no, I've, got, I've got fucking papers around here, you know what I'm the saying? Thing is, the reason why I was really attracted to them was that their anti-imperialism isn't just words. Like... The term mm. imperialism, like, yeah, I, I do like, the term virtue signaling was originally used to, to refer to people who claimed them as activists, but really they just went out to a big strike and then voted Labour every, like, four years. And, like, I do feel like the old term of virtue signaling fits a lot of these so-called socialist organisations, especially when it comes to imperialism and, uh, when they will uh, undermine their own anti-imperialism to work with the Labour Party, or at least the people on the left, and they won't try and work with them on their own terms because they know they can't. Yeah, Especially, I... like, I'm currently reading um, uh, some island stuff from them, and the so the response from 
certain organisations to Ireland was usually they would say that they support the struggle, but then they would also start trying to work with like people who were on the left of the Labour Party at the time, even if they were in power. That's, you know, a, a lot of people will justify that. I call it into passivity. Some people call it virtue signaling. Um, but it, it's a problem that was seen, whether you're in the United States, the DSA, Bernie Sanders, all of that shit, you, you know, muddying the waters, the ideological waters of progress. And people over here standing for Jeremy Corbyn, even though he's never going to be the prime minister. And even if he was, he's, he's not going to implement any kind of socialism. And even if he does, we're, we're not about any... We don't want socialism if it's not anti-imperialist. It's as simple as that. Just another shout-out to the RCG. They do actually do solidarity with prisoners as well. So what you can do is is you can pay for subscriptions for prisoners, and um, I'm telling you now you can either send us the money and we'll get that out, or we'll also send uh, that into the show notes as well, so you can support prisoners being radicalised in there. Um, but Ryan, have you got anything to say when it comes? Because I think you would put this a lot better to me. What what, what was um, the comment speaking about when he said about this virtue signal and, and towards like. Uh, you know, standing for for the Labour Party rather than actually being progressive. Uh, well, essentially, like this is just using like using the language of you know revolutionary politics to box out people to the left of them, right? And like, even though I think Chomsky's bad on a whole load of things, like one thing he was correct that I heard him say when he said like, you know, in every country like the quote-unquote left party which is like the democrats or the labor party they essentially set the left boundary for what's acceptable um within sort of mainstream political discourse and that is the role that they play so you know whenever you get like a kia starmer that takes over like a jeremy corbyn or whatever even though we're both considerably to the left of both of those we can still understand that there's a distinct difference between those two right <clears throat> And that is the role that the Labour Party plays, right? It sets, like, um, you ever gone bowling and you've got the boundaries on the sides? You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the Labour Party is literally like the left-wing boundary. They, like, set, they are set there to box out anyone to the left of them from, um, um, from acceptable discord, discourse, right? And that, that is the role that they play. Um, that's an interesting point, and just just to bring that out, like what you're talking about is the because obviously there's gutters either side of the the bowling alley, whatever you want to fucking call it, and these boundaries come up so it can't go down the gutter, and you're pretty much guaranteed to hit one of the one of the fucking cones or whatever they're called. So it's like it doesn't take skill; it's easy work. You've just got to swing, and you you're probably gonna hit something. But realistically, when we're talking about class struggle, you've got to do the struggle. You've got to practice. You've got to do the practice so that you can actually hit the pins and and you know what I'm saying, rather than cheat. I mean, that that was a little distinction. And I mean, I would say, I would yeah, say that the kind of isn't a right wing boundary. That's exactly what I was gonna say. You'll yeah, see, you're right. You'll see, you'll see Nick Griffin on Question Time. But they'll never have Arthur Scargill show up on television because he's part of the Stalin Society now. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. There is, there is a left wing barrier, but there is no such thing that exists for the right wing, right? And this, yeah. this is because that they exist for capital, and capital props them up, right? And there's no such thing as like 
a boundary that capital won't cross. I mean, so long as you're a party that exists for the benefit of, you know, capital and you will um, further their interests, they're never going to they're never going to put a boundary on you. They're never going to say you can't do this or can't do that. Ultimately, yeah. um, that's why there are so many, you know, like channels like PragerU that get, you know, multi-million-dollar investments from right-wing billionaires because they there is no there is nothing that they won't do in order to further their agenda, right? If anything, the right. Sorry, I was just going to say, like, if anything, the right wing made the boundary for the left because they're the ones who can hit a strike every single time, and they know that the left, are, they, they just, they just want to play, but they don't want to win. Electoral politics did. That's literally like the goal of the Overton window. That's what the Overton window is, right? The Overton window is like the the acceptable um degree of discourse in electoral politics so like the second that you are you know anti-capitalist in any respect um you won't get booked on you know the bbc's of the world they won't they won't show you they won't talk to you they won't give you any you know you're just persona non grata right you're just not even you know they, they would just look at your position and say well that's just ridiculous that that's obviously you'd just be ejected you know without without any conversation or anything right because okay like the, de the degrees of separation the degrees of separation between like uh, like bernie sanders and like i don't know kevin rashid johnson for instance there's more degrees of separation between him than ben shapiro and uh, richard spencer that's like oh, yeah. one like there's one person separating that like Sure. I know for a fact that there's only one degree of separation. Ah, oh, the state of electoral politics, my days. Well, I mean, honestly, it's the state of global capitalism, right? I mean, you can talk about it forever, ultimately, but with the pandemic, it's only accelerated the um, contradictions of capital, right? Like, you can see that even on the high street now, these, like, giant companies are buying up everything that... All of the companies that failed um, on the high street, right? You had like Debenhams that bought up Boohoo and Top Man and was bought out by the Asus Group or whatever. So what's happening is, you know, uh, every anyone who has a, a you know a basic analysis or understanding of capital um, understands that it accumulates in fewer and fewer hands, right? That's what Lenin talks about when he talks about monopoly capitalism, but. A pandemic exacerbates that, right? Like it puts it on steroids because now all of these companies that were on the high street have folded, right? They've gone under, but the giant capital, uh, the, the, the giant companies with all the capital, the hedge funds, et cetera, can literally just swoop in and like pick over the carcasses of these companies. They're going to buy them up. And um, again, they'll consolidate power into fewer and fewer hands, capital and power into fewer and fewer hands. And you're going to end up with more abject monopolies like we already have a ton of monopolies like nestle is basically a monopoly um facebook's a monopoly amazon's a monopoly right there's no doubt about it and there's tons more um especially in america um you can like look up and, and even our media um ecosystem is like controlled by like four or five companies so like all of the newspapers magazines radio shows tv stations everything are controlled by ultimately it's like three or four billionaires or something <clears throat> So this idea of like, you know, it's what Lenin talked about, like, um, you know, the freedom and liberal democracy amounts to like the freedom of the slave owners, because 
uh, under this system, there is ultimately no freedom. Not really. Not not of the not of the count that matters, right? And then there's a startling quote about like you know what freedom is uh, enjoyed by a person that you know can't eat or can't have a roof over their head, and it really is just the illusion of choice, right? They will scream to the top of the roofs, freedom, 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 the entire time, while you know media consolidation is ever increasing. The amount of um, viewpoints you can listen to is diminishing. You're getting fed a narrower and narrower slice of the ever you know, restricted uh, political um, eye, I suppose. And yeah, all the while they'll tell you that, you know, that that is what freedom is. You know, you are free to do as we tell you, essentially. Yeah, and this is why we need, this is why we need to make our own propaganda. Like this, sure. I think that's why we've seen so many people come out of the woodwork. Um, it, like second thought is reasonably actually pretty good and has one million subscribers, like one... 1.2 million subs and talks about how the CIA is a terrorist organization. Like, mm-hmm. and that and that's relatively organic. Mm. I I think like things like those channels where they got millions of views there. So it only I mean it's true everybody knows that the CIA is scum. The CIA themselves are not shy to tell the public that they are scum and they kill and they topple governments that don't. Um, you know appease us interests like that's that's not news to me what people with like a million subscribers should say and that's what i would be saying is the people have to go in and absolutely destroy everything that own that the cia uses as part of their infrastructure so and and we have to actually topple this state through a violent revolution there's i mean there's no reform in this there's no other way anything else is idealistic when you know we we have to absolutely start revolution it's a you know, it's it's not a day in the party. It is the forcible overthrow of one class over another. But to tie back into like leftist media and why it's important to produce, you know, our own content that brings us to your channel now. So, tell us about your channel. All right. So with the story behind this, like most of the things I've said on this uh, podcast so far, but originally it was called a proletarian you. And it was supposed to, and if you've ever heard of PragerU, which you brought up before, us. Mm-hmm. I was we were trying to make a, a leftist version of that. However, yes. everybody except me was busy uh, after a few months. So after like the channel stagnated, I was like, wait, I can just use this as my own channel, right? And I just co- called up the only other person who would mind, and they were like, sure, go for it. So uh, then I started making videos as ProU for a while, and then um, I started cha- I changed my name and I started doing interviews. And um, I made like there's a crazy amount of connections that I made. Like, um, and like generally I do interviews, and sometimes I do like more scripted videos, you know. Um, but most of it I do is to platform activists. That's the main purpose of my channel. Especially awesome. um, my interview with uh, Steve Struggle. I don't know if I sent you that. Um, member of the Black Panther Party, the original one. Uh, which was a, a very eye-opening discussion, in fact. like, And he actually wants to make content himself now, which is um, uh, a bit crazy. Uh, crazy is, Yeah, no, that's crazy. Like, That's great. But it's like it suddenly you go from like being this no nobody, and now I have five hundred subscribers, and I've talked to like people who are math like relatively big, 
and like of re like my connections and degrees of separation from people have just diminished massively. Like my connections have just blown up, and it's it's kind of overwhelming. But you know, mm. I think that's. I mean, the the beautiful thing about like producing, you know, propaganda is the fact that you learn so much as well. Obviously, you don't know what you guys going to say. You don't know everything about their experience, so you're learning along with the listeners or the viewers. Um, so that that's one aspect to it. But another aspect is um, oh my god, I forgot. Yeah. I, I forgot. I, I've only got a small proletarian brain. brain um. You're an organic intellectual. Don't sell yourself short, mate. Thank you. Um, but no, that that's another thing. Is like people don't realise like when you when you're speaking to people all around the world and you're setting all so setting all of this up. Like Paul Morin said it recently. It's like we're just YouTubers. We just do this, and you know that's all we are. But fucking hell, you know what I'm saying? Like this is organising people. I mean, we've organised this to sit you down here. You've spoken to a black, a member of the Black Mentor Party. All these are the you know comrades. So like that takes an organisational skill, and you know as was as was shown last night, we we're seen all over the world. I think there's probably less than less than 15 or 20 countries in the entire world which we have not hit do you know what i'm saying and that takes a certain degree of organizational skill and you know people joking about like saying oh we're not vanguard and all of that we're just again like what what's going through their mind like we're not doing this for anything else other than to educate people and to organize people together like if people like a more radical militant tendency that like we're pushing then what that does is it brings them towards us and then we you know we we organize and we work up the algorithms um, and and talking about politician you that's literally countering their cultural hegemony like you're literally the the mirror opposite of that like the ultimate dialectic to, to that it's like yeah i'm the antithesis yeah, it, yeah. i mean li- literally though so I think people need to take that on board and people need to be doing this like to educate, to radicalise, to antagonise and to be the antithesis to the flipping cultural hegemony that shoved down all of our throats. And, you know, obviously the the main point, that the, main, the best thing that I think could happen from Revolutionary Lumper Radio is to gain the support so that we can actually afford to rent out a space to buy a base. And then what I do is I'd say, OK, RCG, OK, you doing great work, this organisation, this organisation, this organisation. Well, we've got a space there. Come to it every single day. Use it for whatever you want. Meet up, have all your meetings. I mean, you know yourself, the RCG, what they do is they rent out places you know, not so much anymore because of COVID, but what what you do is you have to raise funds on the streets. Um, and then what you do with those funds is you pay for, is you rent out like a space at the top of like a pub or somewhere. I mean, and then that's where I've you organise your meetings. That's why you need a base. Sorry, I've only ever done online meetings, but I do agree with the base. But I mean, that's... That... Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> With the conversation that I've had, I have realised that for the left to actually succeed, we need a great deal more internationalism and cooperation than has been shown in the past, I feel. 
Like, the, we need to make a lot more connections a lot sooner. Because the truth is, is, like, we need to know what's going on. Like, if anybody on the left, like, is organising a strike, we need to know when and where, like, everybody that is possible and available to be there. Because, like, the masses and the numbers is how we win. Yeah. Through... I mean, absolutely, and that's that's what I'm saying. That's what's so frustrating, and why I say get me on the board of some of these big revolutionary organisations in the UK because it blows me mind that like establishing a permanent base isn't on people's mind. I mean, I, I just I said it to like a member in Liverpool FRFI. I was like, this should be the goal to to have a base, and but what I actually got told, insane by the way, was. Um, that you know that shouldn't be a priority, and it's like all your money is you're paying for an office to store all your tables, all your your flipping your banners, all your placards, and then you still gotta like when COVID's over, you still gotta pay like ninety pound a night to have a, a space so you can organise meetings and pay there. But like if you had a base building, like I don't know what the RCG is doing with with all the newspaper money, but what I'd say is have a fucking base in London, have a base in Liverpool. Every single organisation like that's progressive can come in and use that space. If they want to donate to the contributions to, to pay for the rent, that's fine. But like we need this base. What it means is having, for example, you've got a hammer and sickle flag right there. Imagine a hammer and sickle flag in Manchester City Centre mm. flying off the side instead of a Primark fucking logo hanging off the side yeah. of a building. You've got a hammer and sickle flag. This is what we're talking about by actually like the we're, we're becoming the superstructure. We're like it's the material conditions that shape our ideology. We know that like that's literally like um fucking materialist fucking what is it historical fucking materialism basically is like it's the materials and the shapes and you know it's the the buildings that that shape our ideology and what makes us think so if the shops everywhere we're going to think oh well we need to shop and we're going to be shopping and we're going to do all of this shit but if there's literally hammer and sickle fucking flags flying in city centers what that means is politicians politicians sons and the daughters when they go to their city center they're gonna see a red fucking building with all communist fucking propaganda outside it next to a fucking machis and like this gets gets in the head more than any youtube video because it's actually materially it's actually materially in the world it's becoming a part of like the superstructure and if communists acquired enough territory and enough of these bases throughout city centers it's going to shake people's foundation like the foundations and, and the ideology they're going to think why like what is that communist building over there that's what the black Panthers done that's what made the yeah. ila so successful is people knew that there was a place if you had any questions whatsoever they could go to these you know communist bases and then ask questions what is communism what are you doing over here you know it, it gives people a place to go and ask questions as well as to organize from even sleep from we talk about like people being full-time revolutionaries they can do that sleeping on a goddamn floor in the city center just to wake up and then permanently be around the people do you know what i'm saying but instead i, I can't it's like insane we need to acquire territory in capitalist countries i was about to talk about how the black panthers did this and like made schools and stuff and i was also going to mention the irsp the irish republican socialist party shames costello in all that stuff they have a they have a building in the middle of belfast is like 
the Connolly Youth Movement have a building. Like, all of them have buildings. And, like, and they, they didn't even have to pay for them, some of them. They just squatted until, like, they, they met... Like, you may not even have to pay. You might just have to get a few people to squat there for months and, like, maintain it. Like, don't meet the... Yeah, Connolly House was simply done by squatting in the house until, like, the law took effect. The squatting law took effect. Damn, that's so interesting. And these are obviously comrades and organisations that are supported internationally by comrades, like, all around the goddamn world. And the one thing that ties them all together that's similar is not just their ideology and what they're saying, it's what they've materially got and what people can go to and see physically. It's a real thing it's not just people talking about shit and it's like it's so obvious to me and when i've mentioned this to, is to like somebody who's like dead tight with the fucking rcg and to get told that that's not a priority it's like what do you even know what your priorities should be you know selling newspapers is good but what's the fucking point if you haven't got a permanent base it's like it blows me mind what are people doing like what are the plans you know. what like what are they waiting for how when people say you have to wait till there's a certain amount of class consciousness i want people to answer like answer this question how how much how do you measure class consciousness and how do you know that there's enough class consciousness in order to propel the movement next you know how do you measure it and how much is enough class consciousness if you can't answer that then like well you this concept of waiting until people are class conscious is insane in Nazi Germany the people were very class conscious you know like class consciousness is nothing without people being agitated and like you know and and we can't agitate and and agitate people like who were on the line who were online all day if I go out and I share a, a post on Twitter people on my subscribers go onto my videos they were already communist they were already socialist you know what I'm saying I'm preaching to the choir a, a load of the time and that's what pisses me off about you know this, these content creators is like they're speaking to people who already agreed with them so it's interesting you can bring up history this is like why Rev Left Radio is actually so impressive mm. is the fact that he he, trans, he goes across all different tendencies and the educate and you know red menace as well as the agitate is the educate people who may be libertarian who who may come from different backgrounds and and to show them a more radical um historical um you know co- comrades and organizations that people didn't even know about because people are so wrapped yeah. up in the, their own party line and it's like the party line is is history like that should be our party line and our, our biggest enemy is time and like we like over the capitalist because the the capitalists aren't the ones who are ultimately going to put an end to the planet it's it's how much time we allow them to be in power do you know what i'm saying you know, yeah. Black Red Guard made a good video about building bases. If you don't know Black Red Guard, um, I'd recommend anybody who's listening to uh, check him out. He made a video about the fact that you need to build centers. You need to, like, I've made a thing about this, but it, we need to avoid just being in movements. We need to be there before the movement picks up, whilst the movement's picked up, and after the movement dies down. We need to be a constant presence. And having... And having some sort of, like, just being in the community constantly and people knowing where you are. Like, I mean, not the wrong people knowing where you are, but the right people being able to figure out where you are. That's important. And I would point to the IRA, in fact, you know, 
Free Derry, parts of Belfast. There were parts where you you would know when you're in IRA territory in the you you would know. Sure. And you'd mean, be able to figure that out. That that's the whole point, but I mean if if they were to just talk about this thing but they never had the socialist realism, the artwork there to to, you know, get for people to see, okay, this is a real thing that's happening. It, I can physically touch it. Um, and then not, not not even to mention, like, nowadays, if, if there was a hammer and sickle flag flying constantly in Manchester's main street in the city centre in Liverpool, people are going to be taking pictures. It's going to mm. spread all around the world. And it's like it. the Engel statue. It's like the big Engel statue that they have in Manchester. Like, you like... Oh, I'm so bad. It's so bad that I've I've been to the statue, but I was gonna go. Welcome back. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Disconnected. Um, I was gonna go for the two hundredth anniversary of Engel's birthday. Unfortunately, um, I there was a dinner that was happening, so I didn't get to go. But like having a big statue of Engels in a gentrified part of Manchester, like even if it was done like probably in like this weird artistic liberal way, even just that statue being there is propaganda. Mm. Like Careful. this guy is being honoured. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's uh, he's like one of the greatest philosophers of. of... Of all time, you know, unquestionable. I'd say, I'd say, if you want to learn Marxism, reading Engels is easier than reading Marx. That's why, that's partially why my name exists. Mainly because uh, sometimes fucking uh, Marx rambles on in German, and it's a bit, it's not the easiest unless you really get into some of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I to this day, I still can't spell the word bourgeoisie like. It's because it, it, you know I heard this good quote, but it's like the the bourgeoisie made the term bourgeoisie so poor people couldn't pronounce it or spell it. Or 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 that other one like Marx failed to consider the bourgeoisie is an extremely hard way to spell. <laughs> but um, no, so so many interesting points. I'm sorry I had to rant like to you there, but like. It's, it's honestly like it's to me it's literally a step we have to take so like when when like comments like ourselves that's our goddamn goal in life and like we're and then you see all these leftists you see all these fucking what is it like thought slime and all of that getting like 40,000 a fucking month or something on Patreon you see voice like absolutely milking everybody for cash and he's not building contra, a base contra, with that contra being a millionaire I mean these people can buy a base the Patreon alone pays for the monthly rent on these goddamn buildings in city centres in the United Kingdom what but the they're fuck not even, is people's doing but they're not even Marxists so why would they do that they but don't even agree with us ideologically that's what I think about everybody who's who hasn't got this base building in mind. Like, where's your practice at? But well, they, this, this is the thing. Anarchist praxis also involves, like, building bases and community-like things. So even if they're anarchists or supposed anarchists, that's also part of their praxis as well. Right, but they're not. They're sock dems. Sock no, dems laughing as anarchists, because I've met real anarchists. And really, like... Real anarchists actually do anarchist practice. 
I mean, I, I, I don't go by what people call themselves. I go by what they actually are, right? So, like, mm. if you want to talk about people like Thought Slime, I've never seen one of his videos. Like, the only way I know him is because of, like, um, people ended up, like, retweeting all of his, like, trash takes onto my Twitter timeline, and he was basically yeah. just, like insulting any you know? like the bolivarian revolution and cuba and everything and it's just like i don't care if you yeah. call yourself a marxist if you're literally like attacking proletarian revolutions worldwide then you're not a marxist i don't care what you call yourself like can, can you can go on can i tell you the worst part about thought slime as a sure. person who's watched his content he's not a bad content creator his video on landlords was hilarious and he was right about landlords it just happens that like there is the, the there's people who are a content creator first and an activist second, and or an activist tenth down on the list of what they consider themselves. And there's a lot of people who, being an activist, is in the periphery of a, of what they consider themselves. But you can continue. I mean, it's basically just because BreadTube is like. It's essentially liberal. Like, even if you call yourself Marxist, I don't care. Like, uh, everyone should look at what they actually are, not what they call themselves. Like, I could call myself a unicorn. It doesn't make me a unicorn. Like, I don't care if people call themselves Marxist. It doesn't make them Marxist until they actually, like, understand history and deal with it in a way. Because you can't... It's like, if you... Because there are definitely people out there like that that, like, call themselves Marxist, but then end up agreeing with, like... The U.S. State Department on every inter on every international issue, and it's just like you're not Marxist. Like I don't care if you call yourself that; you just aren't. You can't go around calling yourself Marxist and then like you support Guaido in Venezuela, or you support the overthrow of like the the Chavismos, or you uh, you support the overthrow of the Sandinistas. Like you're you're not you're not you socialist. Know, when Russell Brand is a better Marxist than you, you need to like have some introspection. Like, Russell when Russell Brand, Brand is more anti-imperialist than you. Yeah, really. Russell Brand's fucking boss. He uses so many Marxist terms to describe his own thoughts and, and being anti-imperialist. But he's just one of those people who's wrapped up in the whole uh, anti-fucking Soviet Union hysteria. That's probably his biggest in him. You like Cuba, this is though, which... This is why I'm sorry, but this is why I tell people to retweet Rev Left Radio and yeah. Under the Skin. I've been saying this for like a year, comrade. No bullshit. We need to get Rev Left Radio to speak to Russell Brand. Um, that it's so important to fucking educate him, and then I think like he, he would actually see the fucking light. Yeah, but is is this? I feel like. Uh, it's very vulgar the terminology that I use, but I do say the left has been cooked. Is being cooked by liberalism, like I, I think it always has. I don't see leftists yeah. as as comrades at all. I mean, if like we had an argument about this the other day on Twitch, didn't we, Ryan? Um, that like, I mean, communists aren't left wing. The left wing replies like people think. If you think of wings, yeah. You fly with wings, you've got a right wing and a left wing. We're trying that, to shoot the bird. Like, in it though, and, and that's what it is. The right wing is like in parliament on that side and the left wing is there. Like, we're, the communists aren't part of this fucking body. Like, you know what I'm saying? We, we want to build our own body. We want to build our own base. We're the one with the Kalashnikov on the ground so I shoot the fucking bird down. Absolutely. Um, so... 
I mean, boss, um, really interesting shit. Yeah, I didn't expect to be speaking about so much to you on so many different topics, um, but I'm, I'm glad that we did. Um, I really hope that if people disagree with anything that we have said, they can bring it forward to us and we can expand on it further or even, you know, tell us why we were wrong. So before, I mean, we're, we're moving towards the end now before we let you go and get back to your life. But like, what what have you done on your YouTube? Who, who have you spoken to just to like give some shout outs to people? And okay, if people. I'm to say the, the, my best video ever is the Steve Struggle interview because I got to talk to a Black Panther, which is like, um, after my, which was a brilliant conversation. And Incredible. An important thing you said was that we should all be right in theory because the truth is, is if an organization goes bust and and like the main theorists get arrested, we can't mm-hmm. let the party go down. We've Definitely. all got to develop organic intellectualism. Yep. And, do... um, yeah. Oh, yeah, you can. You know, you can make a comment. I, I do think that that's. And what we do here and what we try to do it might not be written down but i'm clearly speaking about you know the in you know the inhibitors to in base building today we're talking about uh, how you know people are making money off patreon off all these things and they're not doing enough mm-hmm. adequate shit with it and um, we're seeing you know i, I mean as you say, you were trying to be organic intellectuals and, you know, the fact that we can actually document it via video, via text, that turns it into theory. I, I do think. I do feel that, like, I do feel that, like, people... I, I read theory and I enjoy theory. However, like, for most people, to get them to read theory, there's probably been a stake before that. And there's probably been a decent amount... And that is, and I do think videos can be very informative. Not as informative as reading. And I have considered like doing a text version of all of the videos that I make that are on specific topics as theory, because I, I write out scripts. Mm. So I could literally, I mean, well, maybe I could get the RCG to publish, you know, like, yeah, if that were possible. But um, if if I'm gonna talk about like who I've interviewed, because um, that was the thing. Uh, so yeah, him, and then I um, have also interviewed a obnoxious anarchist, great anarchist uh, cadre of mine uh, from Quebec, real like on the street guy, like great interview. Uh, Space Babies, who is a is a Maoist rapper, um, activist, um, who's uh, from the well. It, Immigrants, but also um, lives in the United States currently. And um, then there was Dead Man Animations, one of the first people to actually hit me up. Um, uh, after, you know, a black Maoist uh, YouTuber as well. Uh, great animator, um, great drum player, oddly enough. Didn't know that till uh, actually knowing him. <laughs> the what? funny thing about that is that we did an interview and then half an hour we were talking about comics. <laughs> At the end of that stream, it just evolved into us talking about like me loving uh, Alan Moore comics, like like Watchmen. Yeah, Watchmen. Watch. Just I've watched, I I had just read Watchmen to be fair before I did the interview and just finished it. So uh, I I got that then... from a college library, the graphic novel. <laughs> oh, you too. 
Is that what you've uh, done? I was like, yeah, yeah I dropped for a graphic novel. Boys. I got the full graphic novel from the college. <laughs> uh, the I dropped out of why... college soon after. Yeah. The reason why I read it was because I had to return because I realised it was on borrowed time that I had to return it because I hadn't returned it because I'd had it for a year after I took it out. Uh, so I had to get in as quickly as possible so I blitzed through that. But then I've also um, interviewed uh, Dermot Hudson of the Korean Friendship Association UK. Bosh. And there's, yeah, that was interesting. That was really interesting. Is, um, uh, sorry, but has he done an interview with Radical Reflections or was that a different comrade? I don't know. I don't know. I, but it was really interesting. And then there was um, then there was my latest one with the Black Internationalists where we talked about Maoism and intersectionalism mm-hmm. as well as uh, his, uh, she's a black trans woman. So, mm-hmm. like, there was a lot of insight there. And also, um, she's going to send me a shit ton of Mao and a lot of links to a lot of Maoist dogs. Awesome. Cool. So if there's anything, if there's stuff I could shout out, you know, there'll be content coming up. Um, yeah, yeah, was um, gonna, that was the next question. What, what have you got coming up in the future? I was actually thinking of making a video about, like, my phase of reaction and just how propaganda actually works and how like subtle it is at times and like just the mechanism that actually get because it's not just me who's had this experience it's a shit ton of young men a shit ton of young white men have had an experience where they've gotten into the state where like they've been more reactionary than they even think they are and sure. just and like, and, and I know this is a common phenomenon. I've just seen multiple videos about it, and I just I kind of want to look into the mechanism of how it works. No, ab- for- absolutely. Um, I'd just like to say that, like, I'm reading Mark Fisher a lot, and Mark Fisher mm. does this all the time throughout his book. He constantly refers to, you know. TV series, soaps, movies, and then he reflects on on that culture. Um, but he, he brings out obviously powerful insight. So there's so much like you can just look at throughout culture and reflect on, and it really says a lot about everything. So uh, I hope that you follow that up. I might be interviewing uh, Romero from Anti Conquista. Um, mm. Very interesting. I've watched his content for a while. And there's a few people who I might potentially interview, might talk to some Nigerian Trotskyists. That might be interesting. Um, like, there's, and and that was insightful because I sat in on a Zoom call for them, and I noticed like the difference between like English Trots and people who consider themselves Trotskyists in those countries because they are directly getting affected by imperialism. So yeah. confronting the question on imperialism is not an option. Mm. It's not this optional thing. You can't play to electoralism as much because you are in a nation that is currently getting butt-fucked, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boss, so, interesting. Sure. I'll definitely be following you and, and supporting all of your work. 
and we'll obviously continue to, to ask that of other listeners in the future. We hope that this provides a platform for you that people can, obviously you're going to be the first comrade in, in this UK episode. Um, so yeah, we hope to drive some traffic towards you and we've obviously got a lot coming up in the future if anybody is in the UK and wants to be on this series just reach out let us know and you know let's just hear your thoughts and because again all of this translates into theory because we're talking about the material conditions today our own observations on culture and society on the communist movement in general Mm -hmm. okay and also I'd like I'd be willing to interview anyone at some point um, and uh, just to platform yourself as well. And uh, now I've just got 500 subscribers. That showed up a day ago. So um, I guess this is essentially like my celebration stream, I suppose. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Um, but yeah, um, check out the RCG. Check out my channel. Um, keep listening to a revolutionary lump and radio, um, you know, and the uh, solidarity and red salute. Thank you very much, comrade. It has been all a genuine pleasure. The, all power to the people. All power all to the power people. to all people. Thank you very much. So we'll love you and leave you now. We got your plugs mm. there. Um, so we'll make sure that they're everywhere this episode's posted. We'll upload it as a podcast tonight. I mm. mean, very, very soon, because I don't think we stuttered or stumbled that much. So, yeah, we'll just throw this up now. And... Yeah, we'll hopefully drive some traffic towards you. Workers and open of the world, unite.
can't be no 